0: What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to a new episode! For the first time... In what's up with Ren History, we have a comedian, not just a comedian, a wonderful lady that I admire so much and I find literally hilarious. I've looked forward to this the whole day because I really wanted to laugh. We got Serin Ayari in the studio. Thank you so much for coming, Serin. Thank you for having me. I
1: looked forward for this moment as well.
0: <laughs> I what was just happy to hang out
1: with you. It's been such a long time.
0: Yeah, with the hibernation and everything. Exactly. Yeah. You're You just
1: hide in the winter.
0: I just hide. I can't. Belgium, I can't.
1: The only moment where I see you posting stuff is when you're like somewhere in Africa enjoying the sun. Yeah.
0: Okay. She's there (laughs) living her best life. (laughs) So, Serene, I already told the audience that you are a comedian, Mm -hmm. but who are you? in general
1: uh i'm a 31 year old um
0: <laughs> you're not obliged to start with your age
1: i don't know what else to say I mean, <laughs> i'm a stand-up comedian i act as well i do i do a lot of acting oh, yeah. lately i've been uh, i've been i've been shooting a lot of stuff mm. nice interesting stuff that is going to come out after the summer nice. and um i perform in several languages mm-hmm. and i'm from belgium
0: okay but like who are you as a person like what kind of person are you because you just cited your cv exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean oh my
1: god are we going that deep immediately i don't yeah. know what kind of person i am i think i'm uh i'm um
0: well obviously you're funny
1: i'm funny uh i'm very talkative mm. i'm sensitive mm-hmm. a little bit too sensitive sometimes but i'm trying to manage that and yeah, I think I'm very generous.
0: That's nice. Yeah, I think this with, is like, one your of the feelings or your money. Yeah, with
1: everything, with everything. And I really realized that this is one of the main reasons why I'm doing the job that I'm doing is just because I love to give people happiness and make them laugh. And, and it's part of one of my traits that I'm, I'm very generous in. and I needed to do a job where I could just give yeah. Without seeing blood, because my sister is very generous too, but she works in the medical field, and I could not have the job that she does. And yeah, I, I'm also very much of a performer. I like to perform.
0: Mm. You like being in the spotlight, and I do. It's okay. You don't have to like yeah. be condescending about it. People are always like, "Oh my God, you feel yourself too much." Yeah, I'll, honestly, maybe you should yeah.
1: Some people are like that. Some people are not. And mm-hmm. I, I guess, I just like to be heard
0: mm-hmm. and seen. And scene. So your name, your full name is Serene Ayari. Exactly. Which is very beautiful. I really like it. Thank you. What does it mean?
1: Okay, so my name, if you Google it, it's like an acid. Yeah, an amino acid. Like it was a very popular name at that time. Mm-hmm. So that's why my parents named me that. But I think it's also flower and there's like a lot of meanings to the, my name. But the way my dad decided to like write it, it's an acid.
0: Okay, So it's not like a famous actress or something that was upcoming in that. Okay. And what does Ayari mean?
1: Uh, Ayari is actually, I think it's not really our last name, but it's the name of the tribe we come from.
0: Okay. And the
1: area we come from. Which is? Uh, Ayar. And the people, uh, it's, (laughs) yeah, Oulé Ayar, And it's, so where my my grandfather, I mean, where my dad's family is from, is an area in Tunisia where everybody just received the name because they were from there. Mm. Uh, but I think originally our real last name is Labregue because then the rule changed in Tunisia. So I have an uncle who has the exact same parents as my dad, but like the younger kids of my dad's family have... Another name. last name. Okay. They are La-, La Bregue. But yeah, we still got the name of the tribe instead of the original last name or something like that.
0: And so, as you mentioned, your family's from Tunisia. Yep. You are born here?
1: Yeah, I was born here. Okay. Uh, my father was an athlete. He was a handball player. Okay. So he played a little bit around and then he got a contract here in Belgium. He was like, okay, sure, handball? I'll do it. Yeah.
0: Is that volleyball?
1: No, it's like football, but with the hand. Yeah? yeah you should google it it's pretty <laughs> hot looks like oh, looks, some handball players are cute
0: okay um oh is that with the with the basket no what's that
1: that's basketball
0: no, <laughs> <laughs> no i don't mean that basket you know the basket on the corner yeah, not yeah, in Kuchenwald. the middle yeah
1: no it's <laughs> <laughs> no it's really like football, like mini football yeah but you just play with the hands like so you, you just, just throw, throw the it. ball okay. yeah And uh, it's like with a ball that is a little bit sticky. And yeah, so my dad played that for a couple of, I mean, for his entire life, basically. And then he got a contract here. Mm -hmm. But every summer he would go back to Tunisia and, that's how he met my mom, and they fell in love, and then they got married, and then she came here.
0: Wow, such and a cute story. Yeah,
1: because uh, my my dad's sister was renting a studio at my mom's side of the family. Okay. So that's how my my mom knew my aunt, my um uh, my aunt, and then my aunt was like, "Oh, my brother is coming from Belgium. Do you want to meet him?" And then they met, and the rest is history. And um. And yeah, so they came here. I think they were just going to stay here temporarily. Mm -hmm. But then they got us, Mm -hmm. three daughters, and they just decided to stay.
0: Are you first born?
1: No, I'm the second three sisters how i mean proud. i have two sisters <laughs> you're <laughs> like no i'm the second <laughs> no because the place we have in our family really like does a lot i don't know how it is mm. with you but i'm such a middle child my younger sister is such the youngest and my older sister is
0: such the eldest oh my gosh
1: she and... constantly keeps reminding us that she raised us i'm like no you didn't <laughs> i remember you partying all the time and the parents grounding you you didn't raise me so yeah i'm uh, i'm the middle child
0: And so how did you roll into your profession now, comedy? What happened prior?
1: I've always been funny. I always had a good sense of humor. Like I remember always being like the funny girl in school and at work and everything. And then I think when I was 25, uh, I went to New York with a friend named Laura. And I remember we got into a comedy club because in New York, that's what you do at night. Mm -hmm. I always had like a very big fascination for people doing stand-up and just people being funny. Mm -hmm. But I always thought that it was unreachable. And then when I went to that comedy club, I just saw so many comedians doing like a 10-minute set. And I was like, oh, it doesn't have to be like a whole show show. of an hour hour, in a big theater. You could just do that at a bar. And that's how slowly I started to like look into it, but without saying it too much. Mm -hmm. But I just had like, like secretly I was just like, planning it.
0: Why secretly?
1: Because I was just too embarrassed to admit it, I guess.
0: Why did you?
1: I, have, well, I I was just, I didn't have the confidence. And I mean, it's not something that nobody around me did that. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I was obese my entire life. I'll but like, you. what is obese? I lost 15, ki- 50 kilos, five zero. Oh, wow. Yeah. So my whole life, I was just made fun of Mm. because I was fat and then at 25 I started to lose the weight because I was just realizing that it was an eating disorder and that the way that I was living was just not okay and and I was just sick and tired of being fat basically so I started to like get rid of that but it's very hard because I, I was so dedicated into the career that I was working so I wasn't really sure that all of a sudden I can be like oh by the way guys like I'm doing this now. I'm going to try something new. What was your career? I was working in the fashion industry. I was working in... in, I loved fashion. I was obsessed with fashion, even though it pissed me off. That's
0: a tough world to be in as a bigger girl. Exactly.
1: So I would just (laughs) buy the shoes and the bags, but not the clothes. And and I remember just, yeah, being sick of it and, and, and just feeling like I wanted to be represented. And... And that's what I loved about comedy so much is that you there were so many different types of people doing stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. Like you could find literally anybody. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And yeah, so I think around the age of 26, 27, that's where I was like, okay, I'm done. I was depressed. I didn't like my life. I lost the weight. I was like okay now I'm Because of fine. the
0: depression or because you No no no, I got help.
1: Mm. I got I got help from doctors. I got I got serious help. And then I was just done with it. I was just like okay, now I want to I want to give myself all the opportunities that I all the dreams that I always had, but I always had my body being the excuse of actually not doing it. Mm. Now I was just like okay, now now I don't have the excuse anymore. I mm-hmm. cannot be like they're never going to take me because I'm, I'm fat. Now I can just do it. <laughs> Sorry. No, but honestly, like, don't you have that? I mean, I I realize like people of color have that as well. Like a lot of times I would, I I don't like to say the excuse, but I would be like, yeah, it's probably because I'm Arab that I wasn't Mm -hmm. hired. And imagine having the weight on top of that as well. That all of a sudden I was like, okay, now I cannot use the weight anymore. Mm -hmm. So now the only thing that I have is being a person of color yeah that's not an excuse for not doing stand-up because the funniest people are people of color so fuck it like stop making excuses for yourself and just do it and and my mom also got sick she got diagnosed with cancer and i think that was the moment where i was just like okay life is way too short Mm. let's let's do it now i'm not gonna wait anymore and then i did it
0: i want to ask you something tell me what's your point of view on body positivity Mm -hmm. like when i say that what goes through your mind? Um,
1: there's a, uh, f- yeah, there's a lot of things that, that I think are very important and that are not acceptable anymore in our day and age. It's stupid, but like I live half of the time in, in, in France, mm-hmm. in Paris, and a lot of stores that we have here that go until size 44, 46 in Paris, they only go till 42, like Monkey, like H&M, like Zara, they don't do 44. And, I'm and it's 40. the
0: same. It's not like in Spain that they have like different sizing no No.
1: okay we have the same sizes so they just don't do it and then you ask them and they're like oh yeah for a 44 you gotta look online that it's like why do i have to hide the fact that i'm a 44 i'm a fucking healthy woman Mm. i'm just a 44 Mm -hmm. things like that or they have things in france for instance that they don't do anymore in belgium but or some in some stores they still do it where they would make the bigger size all the way in the back that Mm. that it's like why do i have to Walk. reach yeah. so far to get my size things like that you're just like come on you guys like just mix them up mm-hmm. like if you go to zara here like on the rack there would be like a 32 and next to the 32 till there would be a 40 and then a f- they would just mix them up no but isn't some kind
0: of... that just logic because
1: yeah but as a bigger person you're like why do i why am i always the one who has to reach all the way in the back because sometimes it's like all the way you know like when the racks are just in the wall yeah and not next to next to each other. I don't care, but in the wall, it's like, why why do I have to yeah. be the one? Think, little things like that that you're just like, okay, in Belgium they don't do that anymore. In Holland they don't do that anymore. You go to KUS, you go to H and M, they don't do that. Mm-hmm. But in France they still do it. So on things like that, I am an advocate for. Mm-hmm. But on certain things, I'm like, no, guys, we have to stay healthy, and mm-hmm. please don't undermine the fact that obesity isn't is a disorder. Mm-hmm. It's a chronic disorder. Mm-hmm. It's not. Because for a very long time, I just thought that I just liked chocolate. I just thought that it was genetics. No, I had an addiction. Mm-hmm. and I still struggle with that addiction every day. And the worst part is about this addiction is that it's um, I have to eat in order to live. compared to yeah. drugs or alcohol, you don't have to consume mm-hmm. it every day to live. I have to eat, otherwise I, I don't I mean, you have to eat. But when you struggle with food addiction, Sometimes eating can really be very tough. So I'm all about body positivity. But I really think that it's also important to make people aware that some bodies are unhealthy. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be phobic about it. You don't have to be scared about these people. You don't have to shun them. Mm -hmm. But you have to realize that that there's a disease going on.
0: Yeah. And I just feel in general like... Exercise or healthy living is not really promoted as much as unhealthy stuff. Like on a daily.
1: Absolutely. Even like the price of food. Yeah. Like sometimes when I see what I pay for a healthy meal or what I pay for an unhealthy meal, it's like, okay, great.
0: Yeah. I can go to McDonald's right now and get nine chicken nuggets for €2.80. Exactly. But I can get a meal. Like I will be full for like an hour. But I can get something healthy for 280. Exactly. Or just green salad.
1: Absolutely. And and they don't teach us enough things about how to actually eat properly. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: create a healthy meal.
1: Don't have sugary things for breakfast. Mm. Like when I see Nutella. Imp- oh my god, it's so good though. <laughs> But yeah, but when you think about it, it's like, why would you guys give me this in the morning and tell me that this is what I have to have for breakfast? But it's promoted
0: that way. Exactly. If you look at the Nutella bottle, Mm. it's literally like the breakfast. Exactly. With your orange juice, with your milk, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then you have Nutella, and you are ready to kick the day. No, you're not. Exactly. You just had a bunch of sugar in you. Exactly. And so because of your weight, do you think that that's why you hit yourself in like being the funny girl and like making jokes before that people made jokes of you. That's the kind of stuff that you always hear, right?
1: Absolutely. And I also think this is one of the main reason why I'm doing stand up as well is because I wanted to have a control now of how people made fun of me Mm. because my whole life I did not have a control and then I started losing the weight and I I had, I'm, I'm doing a job where now I'm on stage and I'm going to choose when you're going to laugh. And sometimes it's, it's crazy because now I'm performing in France a lot and sometimes I just come on stage and I tell people that I'm Belgian and I would see somebody making fun of me because I'm Belgian. and like oh, You know how French people are with <laughs> <Yeah>. Belgians.
0: <laughs> they're so snobbish.
1: Yeah, and, it's, and I get pissed off and they're like, but you're a comedian. You should be happy that people laugh. And I'm like, no, but I didn't decide. I didn't choose that laugh. Oh. I wrote a whole set where I know exactly when I want people to laugh. I don't mind having some things that they laugh extra on that I was like, oh, okay, apparently this is funny. But this... I just, I just introduced myself, I, there it's was no your, joke. It's
0: part of your personality, of your identity, exactly. yeah.
1: So now I'll make jokes about it. I really wanted to control that laugh and, and make sure that now people laugh at my jokes and not laugh at me.
0: And how did your, did your environment react on you deciding to go for comedy, seriously?
1: I think it wasn't really a surprise. I think it was serious before I thought it was going to be serious. Like first I was just, and that's why a lot of friends in the beginning were very supportive because it was like, oh my God, you're trying this thing. Cool. Good for you.
0: Nice friends.
1: I'm trying pottery. You're trying comedy. Okay. (laughs) But then all of a sudden it got very serious very quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's where you started noticing like, I mean, I also had friends who made fun of me in the beginning and they were just laughing it off and be like, oh yeah, you go try that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, thankfully, they're not my friends anymore. But yeah, overall, I think I think it wasn't also a big surprise. Like people were just like, yeah, you're just a funny girl. Like sometimes you, you would rant about your day and we're just cracking up while you're just seriously telling us your day. Yeah. But the way you're telling it with the rhythm, with the punchlines and everything, you actually just did a five-minute comedy set right now without realizing it. So it wasn't a big surprise. Overall, people were very supportive. I mean, obviously, some people were just like, "Yeah, whatever." Or once I started to actually make money and 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 do it as a full time job, then all of a sudden they were like, "Hey, remember? Uh, oh my God, congratulations!" But that's normal. Like that. Yeah, that's normal.
0: And um. Like, how do you feel about you being in that position of starting comedy and where you're at right now? Because, as you said, you have a residency in Paris, mm-hmm. which is, I think, a big thing. It's huge, it's huge huh? yeah. Okay, because I don't want to undermine, but I don't know the scene, so I don't know. Like,
1: yeah, 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 no, it's it's pretty. I mean, for me, it's huge. Everything, honestly, after the, my third month trying comedy, everything what happened after is huge everything that has been happening in my life right now is just crazy mm-hmm. to say that i i can live from it to say that i just bought an apartment making jokes <laughs> things like that it's, <laughs> it's insane it's when you insane. put it like that it's yeah. really insane. it's insane i have a freaking sponsorships right now i have wow. brands sending me stuff that i'm like are you sure you want to send me that like
0: because i'm gonna make fun of it <laughs> yeah
1: things crazy things like that sometimes I'm just like, oh, my God, I, I, I'm scared of even like putting some dreams out there because mm. things are just happening. Yeah. But um, be careful what you wish for. Exactly. It's it's insane. But as crazy as it is, I really, you know, sometimes you get the imposter syndrome and you're mm. like, why me? And am I even good enough? But I always try to remind myself that I struggled for 25, 26, let's say 27 years of my life. hmm. I you was deserve just this now. I deserve this now. I deserve to 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 have the life that I have because I also invested my first year of comedy. I was not making a lot of money. Mm. My first 3 years of comedy, COVID happened. Oh. All of that. Yeah. I remember the first year I started comedy, I stopped working and I put 7000 euros in my career. Like 7000 euros from my savings account went into my career, which is not that much like And
0: in what? Like going places? Going
1: places, paying for gas because I had to perform in freaking Amsterdam and not being paid. But this is what you have to do. Going all the way to Paris, doing like five comedy clubs in one night and then going back home, sleeping on somebody's couch Mm -hmm. just to get your name out there. It just costs money. I went to New York to perform there as well. I wasn't paid for that, but I needed to get my name out there because performing in New York makes me look serious in Belgium and Mm -hmm. people being like, oh,
0: You You performed in New York?
1: Now you can play my shitty ass comedy club with racist people all the time. Now you're allowed to come in. That's like, okay, thank you. You know, you have to make certain investments. And I remember the first year, I took 7,000 euros in total out of my savings account Mm. to put into my career. So now I'm like... look at me now
0: <laughs> and what is the comedy world like because you know it's also showbiz mm-hmm. and we hear a lot of negativity about showbiz you talked about the imposter syndrome are people mean are they like funny mean i hate funny mean people it's like yeah. ha, but not ha.
1: yeah <laughs> me too Ugh, i hate them <laughs> as well no i think um i love it i love it but it's definitely not the healthiest industry but then again th- what do you mean yeah there's not a lot of spots but there's a lot of people trying it and then sometimes there's people making it and doing certain things that you are like oh i really wanted that gig i really wanted to be on that show why was it her and not me or what was it him and not me things like
0: that is it nepotism or whatever friends yeah there's a lot
1: of yeah there's a lot of that as well obviously but thankfully i had a good training working in the fashion industry Mm. the only thing that i was not ready for um that fashion industry did not prepare me for is the sexism Mm. that was something that oh wow that i was because before that i was working in the fashion industry i was working primarily with women and gay guys Mm -hmm. that was that were my colleagues yeah and then i come into the comedy scene and then you realize what it is to work with a lot of men mm. and to just be a woman and to have men telling you like, oh, yeah, we just needed a woman on that lineup. So we contacted you. OK, but I'm funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure you're funny, but we just need a woman. And you're like, OK, well, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be the funniest. Not woman, comedian, general, Amen. male, female, things like that. Also, um, yeah, you start realizing like, oh, OK, so I guess guess you're the kind of person that has a lot of impact in the industry but also I need to sleep with you in order to get there no thank you I had really bad experiences in the beginning I mean I still have some comments now but in the beginning I remember I was performing in Amsterdam in a comedy club and it was snowing Mm -hmm. and I had to drive back home because the day after I had like stuff to do in Belgium so I do my gig and it wasn't that good i'm not gonna lie i wasn't that great and after that i say goodbye to all the comedians and then one of the comedians is like you're not gonna drive home it's snowing i'm like no it's okay i got a good car i'm just gonna go home and he's like no stay at my house and i was like oh no i prefer not to and he was a little bit creepy and texting me a lot before like oh, i'm so excited to finally meet you you're so beautiful things like that so i was like no thank you were you. like
0: i would rather risk my life than stay with you exactly <laughs>
1: And then basically he's like, and I'm like, oh, but I'll see you maybe in a couple of weeks, I'll come back. And he was like, well, if you don't sleep with me tonight, I'm going to make sure that you'll never come back. And I was just like, Franche. did he really just say that? I was so shocked. And I remember the week after I contacted the person that organized the gig to tell them like, oh, thank you for having me. If you want next month, I'm available. And they're like, oh, thank you very much. But we don't think you're a great fit. And I remember just being like, oh, my God, is it because I didn't sleep with that guy? Because the guy who hired me, Mm -hmm. who asked me to come, wasn't there that night. So he told me, I talked to the other comedians that were there and they don't think you're right fit. So we're not going to contact you back. And I was like, "Okay, he probably talked to the guy that asked me to sleep with him. Things like that.
0: How does that make you feel?
1: It just was a big slap in the face because I've been hearing a lot about these things Mm -hmm. online. You always
0: hear these things. I
1: hear these things and I'm just... But I I was unaware because I was working in the fashion industry where obviously the big bosses were all white male because Mm -hmm. I was working in a luxury. So the big... But you never see them. I mean, I never saw Bernard Arnault and I was working for Louis Vuitton. Mm -hmm. Never see the guy. I just see my colleagues and they're all gay or female. So we're cool. Yeah. And... Then all of the sudden you work in comedy and you're like, oh, okay, so men, power, me being a female. Okay, this is all right. There's even this guy in Paris that wanted to date me and I kept telling him no, but he kept putting me on really interesting gigs. And then one day I was like, dude, it's really never going to work out. I'm really not into you. And we were supposed to have this amazing gig abroad together. And then two weeks prior, he canceled. He's like, oh, no, I decided to go with another comedian. You're not coming with me.
0: I really hope they burn in hell, those kind of people.
1: I'm just making sure that I keep working and keep hustling and keep doing what I have to do so that I don't ever going to have to need them to get to places. Exactly. But it's hard to realize that you need men to get places in this in an industry. I never had that. I never needed to be nice to men in order. I just had to do my job.
0: (laughs) What a luxury.
1: And yeah, and now I do comedy and I'm like, oh, I have to be nice with him. Shit, I don't like mm. him. But you have to. You have to lie up for his stupid jokes and shit like
0: that because yeah. he <laughs> booked you. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And what is the big difference between doing comedy here in Belgium and outside of Belgium or outside of Europe?
1: I think it's just how the industry, like how far the industry is. And I think it's a cultural thing as well. Mm. When I go to Paris, I mean, it's also like people live in... So small apartments so they want to go out they want to go like to theaters they're not going to invite all their friends home yeah to like have drinks at home or have a dinner party like we can do here yeah. they're like no let's go out and go see a comedy gig somewhere so culturally you have places where people are much used to actually going to see comedy and then you're like okay well there's obviously more opportunities in some places hmm but that doesn't change the mentality though. It's not because there's more work in France that the mentality is necessarily better. That's something that I'm realizing now. Like the woke culture is much bigger here in Belgium. There's a lot of comedians that are doing jokes in Paris that I'm like, you're not going to Belgium, right? Because
0: <laughs> what kind of jokes? Just some
1: racist shit, like a white guy doing accents. I just got back from Africa and then he does the accent. And I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Six. Are we still stuff. there? Yeah. Yeah, there's something And nobody boos him? No, because in the mentality I guess it's French, like funny there. Yeah, it's like ho 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 ho. So things like that. I think this is the big difference. Just the amount of work. But there's even a big difference between Flanders and the French speaking part of Belgium, like
0: Yeah, but in Belgium everything is different. Yeah. Like Le- I think even like the driving style of people in Flanders and probably <laughs> <laughs> such a crazy country. Probably So is comedy good money?
1: <laughs> um, it's not good money. Uh, I'm making good money, but I also am working fucking hard. Yeah, I yeah. I think I have like one or two days off a month. A month? I'm working seven days a week. I'm working so much. Like, Ooh, wow. I really told my assistant like we really should like try to make sure that every Monday I'm off and some do- Mondays it works and some do- Mondays I just, just because I work in several languages. And True, we haven't
0: even mentioned that yet.
1: Yeah, I work I have a whole career in France that I have to maintain and mm-hmm. then a whole career here in Belgium in French and in Dutch that I have to maintain. And also in English sometimes. And right? also in English mm-hmm. and and even now I get calls from London to come and perform and I'm like I'm sorry, I really want to come but I really do not have even like one day that I can give you. Yeah, so I'm comfortable. I mean, I'm I'm making good money, but I'm I'm working three careers like or even yeah. four. I'm working very hard, but only comedy. I don't think it's I mean, yeah, it's good, but it takes a lot of work in order to make good money.
0: Mm-hmm. do you feel like sometimes it's draining because you know it's a performance
1: yeah sometimes i'm tired sometimes i don't realize and often especially with people that don't really know that much about comedy they we comedians make it seem so natural mm-hmm. like i'm just on stage i'm telling like, about <laughs> movie. yeah uh-huh. i'm talking about my night with the girls and it's funny and now i'm out and i made my money and it's also how it looks but there's a lot of work behind it and sometimes like I feel like the way you're gonna tell it and things and and, and how you're gonna add the punchlines and the rhythm of it and and the storyline and things like that that you're just sometimes i feel like we're magicians it's like we make it seem so easy but behind there's like hours and hours and hours of work and rehearsing and things like that and especially we cannot just rehearse at home i mean you can rehearse your text at home but at the end of the day you need a crowd to see whether or not it's funny because sometimes you're yeah you read,
0: how do you measure that
1: well, that's why tonight, oh, sorry, tonight I told you I'm, I'm going to perform at, um, there's this bar in uh, Brussels where a couple of comedians are meeting up
0: mm-hmm. every
1: Tuesday to try out new jokes. Okay. And that's what we do.
0: And you give each other feedback?
1: Yeah, you can ask feedback. I usually ask feedback. Some people I know, like, I'm not going to give you feedback because you're not open for that yet. <laughs> uh, so usually when you start, you're not like, eh, you don't want to have feedback. Really? Yeah, I remember even like me in the beginning, when people gave me feedback, I was like, how dare you tell me what to do? It's Who so are you? so counterproductive. I know. But then after a while, you realize. And also like you're very protective over your stuff, your material. So you're like... Because
0: it's very personal usually, Exactly. Right? from your own life story. And
1: then they're like, oh, you should do it like that. I'm like, yeah, but if I do it like that, it's not the real story. And they're like, nobody fucking cares that it's the real story or not. It has to be funny. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and where do you get your jokes from?
1: They just pop up my daily life and then I write them in my phone quickly when I have an idea or, or, or topic that I want to talk about. Like lately I've been thinking a lot about how so I lost 50 kilos mm-hmm. and then recently I regained a little bit mm-hmm. and I saw the difference on how people look at me. And sometimes I, I had a guy in Paris telling me you were funnier when you were 7 kilos lighter. What? I'm telling you there's, yeah, you... People are... S- <laughs> So now I'm thinking a lot about the way people look at you. And I think it's a very important and very interesting subject. Mm. So every time I have something that pops in my head when I'm driving, when I'm doing the dishes, when I write it quickly down in my phone, and then one day I'm going to sit down, take everything that I have about this specific subject together, yeah, and then try to write a set, go and perform it at like a little bar, and then try to write a whole thing about it.
0: I've seen you perform, obviously.
1: I remember that.
0: Yeah. I've seen you twice now, I think.
1: Yeah, and I remember you telling me that you were coming. I was like, she's not going to come all the way to Ucl. And there you were. Yeah.
0: It was <laughs> my ex who dropped me off at the time. Really? So it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, and I remember <laughs> that you talk, well, in your jokes. Eh? Also, when I see you online, there are a lot of jokes that speak on, you know, femininity, sexuality being quote-unquote promiscuous why does that topic come i think out i never, of-
1: yeah i think i never really realized how
0: it comes off
1: how it comes off maybe it's also because i'm so um i grew up and i watched so much american so much female comedians and yeah. especially american female comedians that for me was just subjects that i'm like everybody talks about it right mm. and then you start performing and you compare yourself to other women and you're like oh nobody talks about this <laughs> but i mean that's a big part of our lives like so yeah i I just i don't know i just feel like it's it's i i want to talk about things that that move me and that make me think Mm -hmm. and realize stuff so it's just a topic that i like to talk about i'm also like i grew up with a lot of women i have two sisters i don't really know that much about guys like now i have a boyfriend oh Congrats. Thanks. We've been together for a year and I keep realizing stuff. And every time I talk about it with my sisters, they're like, yeah, that's men. I'm like, really? <laughs> that's do? what they do? <laughs> yeah. Ew. And just a lot of things like that. So for me, I always I grew up in a very female I, I with a, a lot of women around me. So I never thought that these subjects might be seen as promiscuous or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was just like, we all talk about this, right?
0: Also in your household, you used to talk about like sex and...
1: Not really, but my mom would. I mean, not very explicitly. Uh But it was just never really a taboo thing.
0: Oh, lucky you.
1: I mean, I I knew she was getting laid. Okay. Like she wouldn't tell me, but (laughs) she wouldn't also hide the fact that this is how we were made or things like that, you know?
0: that's good maybe I'm, yeah. I'm just biased i guess because you know i know you're you have mm-hmm. a migration background and i'm just thinking like people with a migration background don't really talk about sex with their parents or in the household or we
1: never had really the conversation of me yes. around sex yeah but i would hear my mom with her sisters talk about it mm. and i would just be next to it and there's still that thing of like yeah you little like she always sees me as a kid okay okay who doesn't know anything? That I'm like everything you're saying, Mom. I understand. Like I know what you're talking about. Like and <laughs> and, and she still is very naive about that. But yeah, I never really had like a, i mean, I guess yeah, there was some things that were just not talked about. But mm-hmm. yeah, overall, it was just pretty normal.
0: And how do people react to your jokes in general, like online and offline? Because I think online is also like a big part of, you know, your marketing and communication to get. More of you out there.
1: I think there's a big difference between online and offline. Mm. Online oh, reactions are always pretty good, yeah. unless I really suck, but overall it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Nobody's offline. like, oh
0: my God, how dare you make these kind of jokes?
1: People don't really have the guts to come and talk to me. Sometimes you have like these extremists that would, I mean, like with extremists, I mean just people that have a certain point of view in their lives. like I remember I had this girl who came up to I mean these girls, a group of girls who came up to me and were like, yeah, we didn't really feel represented because your your set was very um, heterosexual oriented mm. because I talked about me and a guy. Mm. And I was like, yes, because I'm a heterosexual <laughs> woman. And then like, yeah, but it's just sad because we didn't feel represented. And I was like, oh, okay. And so the guy that made like a five-minute joke about his dick, mm-hmm. do you feel represented by him? I don't think so. Yeah. But it's okay. Like, people often, especially with women, because we talk about it with female comedians as well, is that we get more shit than men. People feel like they can come after the show and just tell them, uh, tell us what they like and what they didn't like but not like in a very constructive way or not like just in a way of like you're a woman you shouldn't say this and that or whatever but online it's a whole different thing Mm. a whole different thing online people got time (laughs) people got issues (laughs) they need to heal they need to heal like sometimes i see people like in my comments fighting with each other (laughs) and then i'm like that must be so funny yeah but sometimes i'm like guys and then i go on their profile i'm like you have this huge hair salon in fucking switzerland why are you always putting bad comments on every single thing i post online like what's up like dude you you have have a a problem your your wife just delivered a two-month-old like you have a two-month-old at home you have a huge hair salon why do you spend hours Who is that person (laughs) i don't know this this and there's a lot of them, and then you will have other people, and they're so cute because then they're defending me, and then there's this whole fight going on, and then you keep getting notifications of people you don't know about fighting about you online, and you're like, wow!
0: But so it's not like you get nasty comments, it doesn't oh, affect you
1: if it, it always will affect me, mm-hmm. um, but now I just and that also is like through therapy because it used to affect me much more. I got a lot of death threats, rape threats and shit like that in the beginning of my career. I remember that yeah. you would
0: post that. Yeah. And
1: that was very bad. And I remember I was just, I still wanted to do comedy, but I just didn't want to get out of the house anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was very bad. And, and then I was just able to like, I'm not going to say feel for these people, but just really realize like, wow, how bad do you have to be in your life to spend five minutes of your day writing horrible messages to this girl you don't even know mm-hmm. like wow like there's people that i really don't like online like public figures like kardashians and shit like that i'm mm-hmm. never gonna spend time
0: like commenting or even following telling them
1: yeah the kardashians how destructive they have been for maya bringing and things don't, I, th- I don't do that like you don't okay. do that
0: yeah okay <laughs> How have they been (laughs) destructive (laughs) for your upbringing?
1: No, I just think that there's a long time, there was a long time in my life where throughout my 20s, where they were just inevitable. There's so many. What are they? Like five sisters? And they were just constantly showing me how to be, how to look, how to talk, what to eat, all these things.
0: But it's something about these, you know, Kardashian era influencer era i'm just like at the end of the day it's all about the choices that you make we all choose to consume Absolutely. everything but in my early 20s yeah but still it's a choice that you make why do we go out and buy iphones for 1400 euros it's a f- choice that we make it's not that people come to our house and say oh you need to buy this phone or you're gonna die You don't need to get BBL or you're gonna die. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they made it an industry and I'm like, people need to take accountability for their own choices because it's easy to point, no offense. I just feel like it's easy to point and say like, oh, the Kardashians, they uh, created this fucked up beauty standard. The fucked up beauty standard was always there before the Kardashians and it's going to be there after the Kardashians. Mm -hmm. It's really about how do you position yourself In yourself like in your own being who are you do you know that where do you want to go do you know that and then you just stop looking left right and on your screen and I know it's it's easy to say but it's really a realization that I made because I was like why is everyone always bashing on him because I really made a choice like the Kardashians I never watched a whole season like mm-hmm. i watch snippets here and there because i don't want to watch that because i know how it's going to make me feel shit i don't want to feel like shit so You're i'm not gonna do it right
1: i had to make the same decision because in the beginning i was just like oh my god that's so beautiful and oh yeah. and i remember i even went on a k detox i called it on kardashian detox mm. i unfollowed i stopped watching and everybody was like oh my god did you see what happened with this and this and i'm like i don't know i don't care i don't want to i don't want to know It's just like the whole internet thing. And and, and Mm -hmm. it's very hard to distance yourself from it, especially when it's your work tool. It took me years, but now I finally know how to do it. And Mm -hmm. now I'm just like, if you go through my feed, it's literally a lot of videos of nails. (laughs) Nails, nails, nails. Oh, and I'm also like a lot of things about like cake decorating. But now it's... Everything I get and I love it. But it took me a lot of time to make sure that the algorithm changed and and I had to be persistent. But now all I want to do and all I want to look at people is their nails Mm -hmm. and I want to eat cake. (laughs)
0: Look at you glancing at my (laughs) nails. (laughs) Luckily, they're done.
1: (laughs) They're done. They're good. Oh, last time you had gorgeous nails. I remember last time I saw you. Which one? It was in the summer. You did Um,
0: like... Probably popping color. It was
1: a popping color. It's gorgeous.
0: No, but you know, with... this whole internet thing, you know, you can have favorites on Instagram, like you have favorites button and then you can just mm-hmm. choose. And I think it's more important to point out to people, you do have a choice. Don't be sitting there and be like, oh, no, I'm submerged in all this yeah. consumerism thingies because we're not here. Uh, not all of us are here eating Nutella with a spoon. You know what I mean? <laughs> we could. We could because that's what the industry wants us to do, you know? Mm-hmm. But we don't. Yeah. It's true.
1: But I'm a victim of consumption. I just know that. I know that with my buying habit. All of us. I like to consume. And I really had to learn how to consume Mm -hmm. in a healthy way. And I had to. Just like sometimes you make the decision of like, you know what? I really want to shop and I really don't have the money. But I'm not going to shop at this store. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to buy maybe two tops at that store instead of 20 at this one. Exactly. But you have to stay strong and make that decision.
0: It's really about finding, like you said, the strength within you to make those choices. I'm glad we had this talk, (laughs) it's important. (laughs) What's your best experience being Serin Ayari, the comedian? Um,
1: There've been so many lately. No, but there's so many she's things. blessed. Yeah, but there's so many things that I'm like, wow, really? Like my sister, I had lunch with her a couple of days ago and she's like, dude, you became a name drop. I was like, what? Oh. She's like, yeah. Like people drop your name now. I'm like, what? <laughs> she's like, I swear to God, I was at this dinner party and then somebody was like, do you know she's the sister of? And everybody was like, what, well, you're the sister of? Oh my God. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, you're a fucking name <laughs> drop. I'm like, what? So yeah, and then you have, but also like career wise, I think right now it's just getting the approval of even though you shouldn't live for the approval of of some people but when you look up to somebody in the industry and they come up to you and they're like you're doing something very good i have um this huge comedian who had this huge career um and he's recently has been giving me a lot of love and a lot of support can we know the name i don't really want to say the name because why because i don't want to jinx it Okay. I don't even talk about it with my like close friends and family because he's just like, hey, you're doing good, you're doing amazing, blah blah blah. And like it's a really huge name. Yeah, I mean in France, but not 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 in the rest of the. Gad. Uh... <gasps> I'll tell you. I'll tell you after. <laughs> okay. Or even meeting Gad. I met him. He's so nice. Na- like things like that that you're just like, wow. There's these people who are like. I looked up to for a very long time, and even when I performed in New York, and you have these huge comedians, who are like, "That was great, man!" I'm like, "Oh my <laughs> god, what the fuck?" Do Whitey we- accent? Because <laughs> it was Bill Burr, and that's the accent that he has. But you know things like that, and you're like, "Whoa, this is insane." This is crazy.
0: Okay, that's good. And what's your worst experience or something that you just really didn't like because of, you know, the fame?
1: I mean, obviously, people have expectations now, you know, and um, people, they come. And I have sometimes people that drive all the way from Flanders to Paris on one night to come and see me perform in Paris. And then they go back home. Like last week, for instance, I had a very shitty show. It was very bad. Like I left the stage crying my eyes out. I wanted to pay back everybody that came to see me because I was I was just shit. I'm currently on so much stuff and I'm working on a documentary. And that whole (gasps) day we were shooting, we were shooting all day. And then I was like, oh, yeah, right. I have my show now. And I didn't really have the time to actually prepare So I just, boom, all of a sudden music went on and it's time for me to go on stage. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm talking for an hour, but it was shit. I was not in it. I was not concentrated. I was just drained. Mm. So I just stayed there for a whole hour on stage trying to give something to these people. But they didn't laugh. They didn't like it. I didn't like it. And I just felt bad. didn't laugh? Not that much. It didn't, it, it didn't really go well. And sometimes you have shitty shows. Sometimes yeah. not every day at work can be a good day. But it's very hard to know that people are going to go home disappointed.
0: And how do you deal with that?
1: You just cry. hmm And then you talk to the right people. And thankfully, I'm surrounded with very good people that really know how to place it and tell me, like, okay, it happens and now you're going to make sure that this never happens again. Mm-hmm. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to get over it. You're not going to minimize the fact that people left disappointed. Mm. You're going to feel bad. And this is going to turn into you working twice as hard now. Mm-hmm so yeah that's really solid advice yeah you have to surround yourself with really good people
0: and obviously you're a very good comedian (laughs) who else do you find a very funny comedian
1: Mm, career-wise just the woman that she is because she inspired me so much is Chelsea Handler okay because she did so many things she wrote a the blonde show. girl right? yeah the blonde girl she had a talk show she made her own tv show books she just did so much stuff that i'm just like wow you've done all of that while mm-hmm. people like she says it like in the beginning people just hired me because i was this blonde chick and yeah now she has this whole career so i really respect her a lot i really love dulce sloan this american comedian she's so funny michelle buteau love her um Chelsea Peretti. She's a Gina in Brooklyn 99. Anyway, a lot of women. (laughs) I consume a lot of female Female. American comedy, Mm -hmm. but then also just TV shows from women in general. Like I remember growing up watching The Nanny and being obsessed. With Fran. Obsessed with Fran, her mom, her grandma, all of... Like, I was obsessed with it. So, yeah, just... I uh, watched a lot of women. And then also, of course, there's there's male comedians that I absolutely love. I think career-wise, like, somebody that inspired me. And I still can't believe that he let me open for him when he was in Europe is um, Andrew Schultz.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Didn't you see him in New York when you started? No.
1: He was one of the comedians that I Exa- saw in a comedy yeah. club. And then he let me open for him when he was in Europe. and. Yeah. Such an inspirational guy because I remembered following his career when he only had like 7,000 followers on social media. Whoa. and now he's at which a million which is also
0: huge we shouldn't minimize uh, that. Uh, uh, of course. if you have seven thousand people in front of you that's huge
1: it's huge but now he has a million yeah i'm I see him like driving private jets and shit like that Whoa. and i'm like oh my
0: god Girl, that's waiting for you you made it bro
1: <laughs> so yeah i'm super happy and and i really like what he does and the way he handles his career is just amazing
0: so what's next for you in your career
1: well, next for me is, I hope, being able to take some a week, maybe two weeks off in June. Um, I think this is like one of the biggest thing that I hope <laughs> I will be able to do. And uh, yeah, after that, I'm going to do a lot of renovations in my apartment. Mm-hmm. And also I have uh, a TV show that is going to be on VTM, on streams and on Amazon. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is coming out September or October. Flemish and what is it?
0: Fiction?
1: Yeah, it's called Exa. It's uh, a TV show where um about a couple that is on the point of getting married and then the woman is like, "Hmm, you got a lot of exes. What about them?" Every episode is about one of his exes and then at the end.
0: Are I'm, you the lead role? Yeah. Oh my go- girl, <laughs> you're just dropping it <laughs> casually. I was like, is she going to tell me that she's one of the exes? No, 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 no.
1: I'm the leader. Role. Do
0: you know? I, yeah, I'm. Uh, so you're uh, getting married to the guy in the series?
1: Yeah, Bert Hollanders. Um, Which Flemish, one is that
0: again?
1: He's a Flemish actor. Uh, he played yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of like f- big female actresses in it. There's Ella Junor in it, uh, Charlotte Timmers.
0: Just I really don't things. watch Flemish TV. Yeah, I know I, you don't. <laughs> I know you don't. But it's it's
1: really gonna be fun. Like we spent three or four months shooting it last year. Wow. It's crazy that it's gonna come out soon.
0: Where was it shot?
1: A little bit everywhere around Flanders. Okay. Yeah. Then um there's another TV stuff that is gonna come out. I'm writing also a lot, like co-writing on TV shows and shit like that.
0: Look at you. Yeah, I'm working a lot. <laughs> Oh my god, so you're a screenwriter, you're
1: an actress, actress
0: comedian, yeah. obviously.
1: I'm working on a documentary as well that's going to come out next winter,
0: I think. What kind of documentary?
1: I don't know how much I can say about it, but it's a documentary about how culture um, and humor is linked. Hmm. And that's going to be for nice. um, for Verde. Okay. Uh, we're starting right now shooting it. And then And it's uh, only
0: you or also other comedians? No, it's me
1: going to different places around the world and
0: What? Oh my god! That's that's huge.
1: Yeah, I'm telling you, like I don't I, I'm just living day by day. But sometimes I, like for instance, my, my my best friend, he went to do movies last week and he was like, dude, like I'm watching a movie because everybody's like, Oh, this movie got Oscar nominated. And then I see a fucking fat ass face on the screen, I'm like, oh yeah, right. He's like, Why didn't you tell me? Was Which like, movie I... close. Oh, you, you're you in there? Yeah. Oh, I now I'm going to watch it. I wasn't
0: going to watch it, but now I want to watch I it. I have a
1: small part in the movie, but I'm super proud of the movie. It, it's doing so well. Yeah. But sometimes like you do things and it only comes out like a year after and then you have to tell your friends like, remember that day I didn't come to your birthday? <laughs> that <laughs> that was, was the reason <laughs> why. <laughs> so yeah no a lot of uh, a lot of nice things like I think uh, I think I'm not done yet
0: no you're going places girl yeah. I'm so happy for you I'm proud of you thank you yeah I love to see like how it's going crescendo thank you I love thank
1: that for you, you. very happy
0: hmm <laughs> And you have a love interest. I like that too. I don't want to yeah. get too much into it because we do that after the pod. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really, really happy that you came to the podcast. Me too. Thank you so much for making time for this because now I feel super honored. No. You don't have time, girl. It was
1: that or getting drinks together. Uh, yeah. So we were might as
0: well, you know.
1: Exactly, but I, w- I wanted to see you for a very long time.